If you want to turn to a passage of scripture as we begin, this is where we'll be this morning. 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Now, I was just talking to Pastor Jared a couple of moments ago about uh, what I was doing this morning, and um, this character study has sort of uh, uh, occupied my mind all the time throughout the last few weeks, and, and it's the, re- the reason is because it seems like, um, actually, Pastor was saying this last Sunday when he was studying on grace, it seemed like then he saw grace you know, everywhere, all throughout the scripture. You mentioned that to me several times, is that it's found throughout. But what I was finding is something very similar. And as I started thinking about the topic of character, then as I began to read through things, I began to think about uh, the fact that this behavior, this action, this attitude, this is all based out of someone's good, consistent Christian character. So I'm seeing uh, stories in that way and seeing things in that way. And I started to think about uh, the the ways in which character is developed. And I thought about a phrase, and I wrote down the phrase, and then I I tried to think through um, where I had seen that besides just this story. Um, and I thought of a few things, but I just decided to do this story. This is the, this is the phrase. This is kind of the basis of this morning. And that is that character is often developed in challenges. And it's also developed for challenges. Let me see if I can talk about that for a minute. When we talk about for instance, in a work environment or a, um, any environment where we're, we're uh, taking someone who is new or who is uh, at a, a lower level and we're thinking about promoting them to another position of responsibility, a higher position of responsibility, we, we think about a few things. We start to think about... Um, Are they meeting the challenges that they have already in the thing that they're doing now? And based on how we've seen them meeting those challenges, do we think that they could possibly meet the greater challenges that they would face if they were sort of up a level, right? It can be very, very simple. You can go back to the very beginnings of of thinking about hiring someone to do work for you. I'm just putting it in this context because I've been thinking about it a little bit lately. Um, Have they met the challenge of waking up early enough and getting prepared for their day enough that they can be able to get to work on time and be alert to do the work that they have to do, right? They've met a little bit of a challenge there. Sometimes it's a challenge to get up in the morning, right? And just be ready to go. Uh, Have they met the challenge of staying all the way till the work is done? Right? Just 
persevering through all the way to the end of the day until the you know whistle blows, whatever. I'm saying there's just to stay all the way to the end is a challenge that you have to meet. Um, when an issue comes up and there's somebody that they're working with that um, they have to confront on something, either they're not doing something correctly or they're doing something that makes their that, that person's job more difficult or whatever, are they able to meet the challenge of speaking to that person and speaking it to them in a way that doesn't make the work environment worse, but makes things better. You understand what I'm saying? We're always trying to consider, and all of these are things that are related to character, right? They're related to discipline. They're related to perseverance. They're related to honesty. They're related to, you know, your, your personal integrity. All of these things are related to character. So you've got all these challenges all the day long, it seems. And it's in meeting those challenges day by day and doing it consistently where, and it's kind of a funny thing, you're showing character by meeting the challenges, but you're developing character for even greater challenges. Isn't that the truth? You don't want people, you don't want to present someone with a big challenge if they've had a struggle meeting even the smallest challenges. When you say that, usually, usually that's always the case. So this is what I would say about it. If we do not have consistent Christian character, it is possible that God would allow us to have victory in the face of a great challenge. It's possible. God does what he will. He does of his own good pleasure. But the case can certainly be made that a person of consistent Christian character has a better chance, a better opportunity for victory in the face of a great challenge. We would all say that. We, we see that throughout Scripture. Character is often developed in challenges, and it's developed for challenges. They don't have to be always the big challenges. Every day provides them. Really, whenever we're presented with a choice, especially if it's a choice to do right or to do wrong, we're facing a challenge of character. And so when we learn to make the right choice, which is often the hard choice, by the way, it's often the hard choice. That's what character is all about. When we're talking about people who make character, so many times we're talking about people who've made the hard choice in this small thing and another hard choice in this small thing and another hard choice in this small thing. And we see it all together and we go, oh, well, that was easy for them. But they made the hard choices along the way. So today we want to be discussing from 1 Samuel 17, one of the most famous challenges in all the Bible. It would be a common metaphor, whether you're talking about sports or business or life in general. And it's one that you almost want to avoid. You almost want to avoid going to a chapter like this because it's so well known. But that would be a mistake. That would be a mistake. David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17. 
Let's keep in mind the sort of theme of the day that character is developed in challenges and it's often developed for challenges, okay? 1 Samuel 17, let's start in verse 1, and I want to make some um, application to character as it regards David's life, and particularly when he came to this point in life. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shoko, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephesdemim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the other side. And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there, was, there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Now, I did a whole thing one time uh, on the radio about a champion. And a, uh, a, a champion is literally a man that stands between two camps. I thought that was interesting because that's, that's exactly what's occurring here. It's a man who stand between, stands between two camps. And um, you can, if you, if you wanted to take a little bit of a study about a champion, uh, think about the champion of the Philistines, and then think about the champion of Israel, which was David, and think about the difference between the two champions. But that's a, that's a little sidebar, but that's an interesting study if you begin to think about that. But here we have this person who's called a, a champion. He's the one who will stand in the midst and he's going to make a challenge. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders and a staff and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing of a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are you come out to set the battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me, and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. This, uh, this was a time of national challenge. When you start reading through and then considering the, um, the size of this man and the uh, measurements of all these things that 
he is holding and that are his armor and that are his uh, weapons, and you start to consider what kind of a man this is, you think, if I were an individual in this army of Israel, I might be tempted to be greatly afraid. But do you notice what he said? He said, give me a man. Give me a man. So the challenges were revealing the character of the nation, of the leaders, and particularly of the army of Israel. Because while we may be tempted to be dismayed and greatly afraid, that's probably not the right choice. So the nation at this time seems to be in need of a man. But what kind of man? What kind of man? If we were thinking in a way that's not consistent with some of the things we've talked about the last three times we've met together on character, we might, we might say something like this. Well, someone with, who can match him for size and strength. Somebody who can match him for experience. Somebody who can match him with the weaponry that's needed. We need, a, we need a fair fight. We're always saying things like that, right? I, I, I only think of a sports metaphor, not because I'm a big sports guy. I'm really not. But we talk about how the teams match up, you know? And then the X factors we say are things like, well, will they be, who's going to want it more? Right? We, we try to use X factors that are that way. Well, that's not God's X factor here. That's not God's way of doing it. But we, we talk about this. But we, th- we wonder about how they'll match up. So they're at a time of challenge. They need a man They need a certain kind of man. So then David's introduced in verse 12. Now David, the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of the three sons that went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the next unto him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest. And the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep, at Bethlehem. So we learned something about David 
really, it's the it's kind of, we learn more about his family than him in this passage. But what we learn about him is that he's the youngest. That's got, even in today's society, we can go back and talk about the society in which they lived. But even in our society, we would think of the youngest and we go, ah, oh, that's just the youngest. We, we think that. And yet character doesn't seem to be about how old we are, how much experience we have, how many years we have under our belt. It may have something to do with it. Don't di- I, you never discount those things. I remember Dr. Anderson at Baptist Mid-Missions would say of the missionaries, he would award them for a certain amount of time on the mission field. And he would say that this person has been on the mission field for 20 years or for 30 years or for 40 years. And uh, he would say, this, this longevity doesn't tell you everything, but it tells you something. And I always thought about that. It tells you something. So there's, um, don't discount the idea of years of experience and and years under your belt. That's not to be discounted, but character doesn't seem to be based on how old you are. Doesn't seem to be that that everything hinges on how old you are. And God leads and empowers those of any age. He leads and empowers those of any age. God does what he will. And the Philistines drew near morning and evening. This is verse 16, by the way. And presented himself 40 days. This Philistine is talking about uh, Goliath. He drew near morning and evening and he presented himself 40 days. And Jesse said unto David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these 10 cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. And Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. This is, I, I know, I understand the size difference I understand the, the experience level difference. Uh, I understand uh, the, the difference in weaponry that we're going to find in this, this story. But I've always been fascinated by this part of it, <laughs> right? Um, David's assignment in this whole thing is to take some bread and some cheese. He does that. He does that. And you think to yourself, who, who's going to be the great victor in this story? The guy delivering the bread and the cheese? Really? You know, I know that we focus on the fact that you've got this, this young person against this great warrior who's mighty in battle. But I got to tell you, in our society, we might have looked down on him more because he's the guy delivering the bread and cheese. We, we love young people. Our society loves young people. In fact, 
we sort of, a lot of times, disdain older people and, and love the young. Oh, look at they look good. Got fresh ideas, maybe bad ideas, but they're fresh ideas. How about this? The guy who's just the delivery boy. But his dad gives him something to do. He's doing it. Hey, he's got responsibilities. He's got responsibilities, okay? I'll tell you this. I've always thought this because my dad was, um, would make this point to me quite often. Um, anybody who does work should be, have respect. Anybody who does work should have respect. Because uh, sometimes the lowest jobs are the toughest. <laughs> they really are. They're the toughest. I'm not sure that has anything to do with this story, but I just thought about it. Um, but we do think the person who's, who's just the delivery boy is somehow lesser. And yet he was given responsibilities. Well, he, he has more than just the responsibility of this delivery. Of course, he's responsible for the sheep as well. But we look at it and say, okay, he has responsibilities, but what are they really compared to the others? But here's the thing. Not only is he uh, responsible for the feeding and care of his father's sheep, father's sheep, but also for the feeding, in this case, of his brethren. And he's carrying that out. Something about carrying out all of your responsibilities. It may mean something more later. It may mean something more later. Because it may mean that God puts you in a place while you're carrying out those responsibilities, no matter how small or minimal they seem to be, but it may be that God puts you in a place where he wants you to be. Verse 20. And David rose up early in the morning, and he left the sheep with a keeper, and he took and went, as Jesse had commanded. By the way, just make note of the fact that he left the sheep with a keeper, okay? because that'll come up a little bit in, later. And he went, and Jesse had commanded him, as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench, as the hosts were going forth to fight, and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand, what he was carrying, in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. And he ran into the army, and he came and saluted his brethren. David was doing exactly what he was told. This is, his exactly, this is exactly where he needed to be. His age didn't matter. His particular place of responsibility didn't matter. He was being obedient in the situation at hand. And this is where character begins. We've already talked about that. Not just at this moment in David's life, by the way, but in 10,000 moments previous to that. It didn't matter how old he was. It didn't matter his place of responsibility. If he was being obedient in those instances, meeting the small challenges 
That was where his character was beginning. And you're led to believe that this is the case, because if you read a little further, you'll see a little bit more about his character. When we are um, in our place of service, it's amazing what opportunities God will provide. This isn't a famous part of the story, really. This isn't the famous part. People don't say, do you remember David? He got up early and delivered cheese and bread. Do you remember that guy? Verse 23, as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines. And he spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So David was in the right place here. He was in the right place. He was being obedient. He was doing what he'd been told. He's in a place of fulfilling his responsibility. He's in a place of service. And he's in the place where God could present him with another big opportunity that frankly changes everything. Now, I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about, uh, uh, <laughs> Work and and do a good job so you can get your big break. I'm not talking about that. That's not character, by the way. That's not character. Don't work hard. Work hard, and if I just work hard, maybe maybe I'll get my big break. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about opportunities that God provides because he knows your heart and knows your character. It's a little bit different. I don't think this was a situation where David was thinking, maybe I'll get my big break. But he did ask about some things later, about what would happen to the person who, who, um, who killed this Goliath. Remember, they were, again, they were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up? And it shall be the man who killeth him. The king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and will make his father's house free in Israel. David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, it came up about what was going to happen to the person that killed the Philistine, but I just find it interesting that that David focuses on the fact of taking away the reproach from Israel and of defying the armies of the living God. And he seems to have his mind on something else, even though there's really something in it for him as well. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto them, or when when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the haughtiness of thine heart, 
for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Does anybody else get a little, like, I will get a little upset when I read that. I got to be honest with you. Like, hey, look. <laughs> I mean, this is just kind of how I react to it. Look, this guy's coming up. He's defying the armies of the living God. He's blaspheming God. All of you guys are running, including you guys. You're all sore afraid. And you're going to be upset with David here who says, hey, some, shouldn't somebody do something about this? I, I get like a little upset about that. That's not really the point of it, but I'll tell you this. I will tell you this from a little bit of personal experience. If you're ever in a situation where a bunch of people involved are lacking character for something, and all of a sudden you say, guys, ladies, group of people, whoever you are, let's do the right thing in this situation. I got to tell you what, a lot of times that will prompt anger. I have seen it with my own eyes. I've been a part of it. And you'll say, hey, let's stop having this attitude. Let's do the right thing. And that prompts all kinds of feelings and thoughts in people's heart. And they say, they either feel guilty about it. They're, they're mad that you're making the right choice and they don't have the courage to make the right choice. There's all kinds of things that happen in situations where somebody says, hey, it seems to me there's a right thing to be done. Let's just have the courage to do it. It just, it prompts anger. They were sore afraid. That means they were exceedingly, abundantly afraid. And they're mad at David, but they're mad without a cause here really too. Did you leave the sheep out there by themselves? Not really. Did you come down here for no purpose at all just to see the battle? No, I'm here on an assignment. Look at this, just direct accusation. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. I, I've, uh, I've actually seen this too. I've physically seen this. Have you ever seen this? Somebody says, look, we need to do the right thing here. Get a reaction over here. And then you look over, you go, am I right? You ever seen that happen? Do you guys, are you on board with this? What about you guys? Are you on board? Let's do the right thing. Let's make the hard choice. He's, he's turning from this way to that. If I, if, I can't, if I can't convince you that we need to do the right thing, maybe I can convince you. I'm saying, don't you see that it's right? David was just doing what he was told. And when he's presented with the same facts, the same challenge that his brothers and the army of Israel were already presented with, Remember, he's received the same facts that they've received. He's been 40 days out here saying the same thing. Same guy, same big armor, same big guy. He's presented with the same facts. He's presented with the same challenge that his brothers were already presented with. And now he responds in a different way. 
character. Folks, it's character. He responds in a different way. And when the words were heard, which David spake, this is verse 31, by the way, of uh, 1 Samuel 17. They rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, you know, now he's looking, now you've got the, the, the leader of everything. And he says, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now is the first time you really see it. He says, all right, I've seen, it doesn't seem like anybody believed, I can't get them on board. I said, we got to do the right thing here, guys. And they didn't, weren't on board. He goes to Saul and he said, I guess I got to just, I got to be, I got to be the man. Goliath said, send me a man. And he's about to get one. Same facts, same challenge, different response. And it's by way of even comforting the army of Israel, as he says, let no man's heart fail because of him. But here's the thing. Here's the next verse. Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. I believe that. I got news for you. David believed it. David believed that. You want to know where character is? Right here. Not able to. Hey, I've just looked at you. I've I've sized up the situation. Not able to. Not able. True. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, And he is a man of war from his youth. I've seen the evidence of this situation. You're not capable. I don't don't get mad here. Saul's not here to be criticized. This is really the truth. They both recognize this. In fact, it's kind of the main feature of the story, isn't it? It's the main feature of the story, right? It's the main feature of the story. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. This is verse 34. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Now you might think, okay, well, he's, he's trying to uh, beef up his credentials here. But it's interesting that that doesn't seem to be um, the case as we move on in the passage. Thy servant slew both a lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he hath defied the armies of the living God. I want to go on in this, but I want to just um, make this, I want to just make this note that David's character had been tested before. His character had been tested before. And he was able to meet that challenge. He had some experience, but he recognized that it was the Lord that delivered him. Verse 37, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion 
Okay, do you see his admission here? Look, this is what happened before. I'm just telling you this is the facts of what happened before. But the Lord did that. The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go. And then Saul says this, and the Lord be with thee. They basically both agree. Hey, you're right. If, it, if this is going to happen, the Lord's going to have to do it. Folks, this is character right here. I got to tell you, this is character. Because what, what happens here is what you're saying is, what you're saying is, uh, look, I, there was some smaller challenges along the way. And I relied on the Lord in those. I was trying to obey the Lord in those. And then we got to some bigger challenges. All of a sudden, one day I got to a really big challenge. And I said, Lord, I'm going to have to rely on you in this situation. And he was able to carry it out with the bear and the lion. And they're both saying, you're going to have to trust in the Lord and not on your experience. Maybe you slew a bear, maybe you slew a lion, but you're still going to need the Lord for this one. Verse 38, Saul armed David with his armor. And he put on a helmet of brass upon his head. He also armed him with a coat of mail. David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him, and he took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and he put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. David knew of his own gifting. I got to I'm going to stop here for a minute, even though I don't have much time. I want to stop here a minute because I want you to know that God uses you. He uses you. You have gone through a unique set of things. There's nobody that's had exactly the same life that you've had. Do you notice that? You could grow up in the same household and have all manner of different experiences. And David had had all of his experiences and God was using him. I, I think that's an amazing part of this story. I'll tell you why. Because you think to yourself, there's no formula here. God just says, I'm going to take this person. I've given him all kinds of unique experiences. I've given him all kinds of unique personality and I'm going to use him. And I'm going to take all the stuff that's happened to him and all the stuff that he knows and I'm going to use that. Have you ever seen, there's, there's guys on this island who do that sling. And if you go, sometimes if you go down to Paseo, you can see the guys slinging those rocks into, there's a big net there that they do. But he had learned this thing. I'll tell you, there's probably some character in that consistently learning to do that. Verse 41. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And the, when the Philistine looked about and he saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou camest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. David was disdained. You should know that character is often 
met with anger and disdain more than adulation, particularly in the world. He's met with disdain. There's all kinds of lessons in here about how uh, you could probably look at Goliath's character and see the flaws of his character in this as well. For a fighting man from his youth probably would not have thought this way if he were the right kind of fighting man who would not have taken any challenge lightly. There's all kinds of character lessons in that as well. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. In a way, just says, this is not about me. This is actually about God. And I'm coming to you in his name. And I've got uh, here what I think is an assignment to me from him because I looked around and nobody else seemed to believe that this was the right thing to do. And now I've come to you. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and I will take thine head from thee and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You know, I'm not going to go through the rest of the story because we know what happens and I'm already a minute over time, but I'll tell you this. Character is pretty counterintuitive. It's pretty counterintuitive because we recognize that this victory came not as a result of David, but as a result of God. And yet we say, well, David had character. Well, what did he do? Nothing, God did it all. Folks, character is totally counterintuitive. You develop this character through the course of time. You meet challenges day by day and you accomplish them based on your love for God, your obedience to him, your great care day by day. And somebody will look and they'll say, wow, look at all you've done. And you will say, if you have consistent Christian character, well, that's what God has done. That's what God has done. And it's exactly the opposite of what the world would think. Well, I had three more pages, three more pages. We're not, we don't have time for it. I probably won't come back to it next week, but you know what happens in the story. You know what happens in the story. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together uh, t- this morning. Uh, today, we, um, we think about uh, our own character. Have we met the little challenges of today? We need to. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what opportunity there'll be. We don't know what place we'll be in where we'll hear something, where we'll see something, where we'll need to meet a challenge. We've got to have the character to be able to meet it meaning we got to have the character to understand we have to rely on you every second for everything, for every victory. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.